I thought it was really good. It was something. It was something I've never seen before in a film. Uh, the 3D effect. Yeah. The the characters felt real. Thought it was Loved excellent. It. Excellent. Really well done. The imagination of it, just amazing. The way that James Cameron pulled it all together and stepped on the edge and made it a reality. And the special effects were super. The 3D was really the best I'd seen in a long time. It's great special effects. I haven't really been able to figure out exactly what's going on besides there's war of some sort with alien people. I'm just so excited about I I didn't know what to do after, after like while yeah. I was watching and after I, I was stunned. Like visually, I don't even know. And the shot goes down in 3D and you see like a thousand feet down and my that stomach was, just dropped. Amazing. It was so There was cool. one part where when they shot a bow and arrow and I I, I was yeah. like I had to hold myself. I was like, it's okay, it's not gonna yeah. hit me. I'm not gonna lie, that that was beautiful. I heard you gasp. Man, it's hard to think of a film other than maybe the Star Wars prequels, uh, and maybe a couple of others, but that have had as much hype and hoopla. You would expect that the special effects would be fantastic, and they're beyond fantastic. This thing is pushing the boundaries of film. Avatar's budget and marketing costs make it the most expensive movie ever made. You cannot deny that this is a big, epic, and altogether revolutionary film. Wow. Just wow. More than likely, you've seen the movie. So many people have. We're talking about Avatar, a dazzling science fiction movie still on big screens from a fantastic director, James Cameron, who directed Titanic. Welcome to Evidence and Answers with Dr. Pat Zucharin. I'm Kevin Harris. We're going to discuss Avatar today. Evidence and Answers is a show that examines spiritual and cultural issues. And you can get our resources and learn more when you go to evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find everything there from atheism to Zen Buddhism at evidenceandanswers.org. Yes, you know, Kevin, uh, people are wondering what does Christian apologetics have to do with movies or literature? Well, it has all to do with that because in movies, they are presenting some powerful ideas of whether it be of another religion or a powerful idea of the culture. And as Christians, we want to be able to examine that and interact and engage with those ideas that are influencing culture. And they come out especially in literature and the movies. So it's a uh, great exercise here for us to uh, critique James Cameron's, you know, hit movie Avatar. And right off the bat, I got to say, you know, it's got dazzling new animation and technology and special effects, yet it's an old message and an old story. You know, we immediately have to distinguish between the technical excellence of a movie and the message of a movie. Because often we'll say, oh, the movie is so good, technically, how can it have a bad message? Well, it still could because technicality doesn't necessarily mean that it's true or that it's a good message and so on. So it, it certainly is groundbreaking as far as technology and in uh, movies. But what do you mean that uh, it's really an old story? Well, it's a message presenting an apologetic or an evangelistic message for the pantheist worldview. Hmm. And the pantheism, you know, pan means all, theism means God. Pantheism teaches that the universe is God and God is the universe. God is not a person who created all things as in the Bible. In pantheism, God is a it. He's a force, an inanimate, 
impersonal force made up of all things in the universe. And Avatar, I think, takes a new age kind of pantheism. And the message is that when mankind embraces the pantheist worldview, there will be a oneness with nature. And this enlightened union will lead to a life of peace and paradise upon the planet. You know, Kevin, the title itself gives the message right away. Avatar. You know, what is an avatar? Well, in Hinduism, which is a pantheistic religion, an avatar is the incarnation or the descent of a deity to earth. And one of the most popular gods in Hinduism is the god Vishnu. There is Brahma, the one, you know, the impersonal force behind all things. And there are three main gods or three manifestations of Brahma. Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Vishnu is the preserver god, one of the three main gods in the Hindu pantheon. And in Hindu literature, there are ten famous manifestations of Vishnu coming to earth as an avatar in Hinduism. And so in the New Age, the avatar is often used of a spiritual being as the person who is seeking enlightenment and on his quest to oneness with the divine. They'll call upon a spiritual guide whom they can often label as an avatar who guides them in this whole process. And so, you know, the title of the movie gives it away right away. Well, it sounds to me like James Cameron has a particular worldview in mind for Avatar, and that is something that we want to evaluate and uh, make our children aware of as well, because, again, very entertaining movie, beautiful movie, well-made movie, but then uh, there are some subtle messages that we want to make sure that we understand going in. Yeah, you know, and Kevin, I wouldn't say in this movie it was subtle. It was pretty prevalent there. And I, I see it's a very strong apologetic or an evangelistic wow. thrust uh, to embrace pantheism. For when we do, you know, this is the message of hope, that peace and harmony will come uh, to civilization and we can enter into an Eden-like paradise as we live in one with Mother Earth again. So this is about the people of Earth visiting another planet? Right. You know, in this movie, there's an alien race, the blue-skinned Navi, and they live in a forest paradise like Eden. And although they are technologically primitive to humans, they are superior in their understanding of true reality and nature itself. And they live an enlightened existence because they have come to become one with Ewa, or the All-Mother. All-Mother is this impersonal force made up of all living things, and Ewa is not a personal being, as, you know, the Christian view of God, but an impersonal force made up of all things. And her force is concentrated under a large sacred tree in the middle of a sacred forest. Wow. And, and as a Navi grow into adulthood, you know, their quest is to become one with Ewa. And they do so in this movie by attaching their ponytails to one of her vines. You know, it's kind of like uh, plugging in a USB uh, <laughs> jack or something, and, and they become one with Ewa. Throughout the movie, you see all kinds of messages of a pantheistic view of the divine. Sounds yeah. like we're back to the force of Star Wars, this it, impersonal yeah. force. Yeah, it's really the same story that we're seeing in Hollywood. You know, Star Wars, the force, uh, Pocahontas, the Walt Disney cartoon, Dances with Wolves, Fern Gully, and others. Really, it's the same kind of message. If we embrace the pantheist worldview, if we become one, you know, with the divine, then 
we'll live in harmony with nature and peace and harmony will come. We'll enter into this Eden-like kind of existence. And the uh, plot here happens when humans come upon the planet. And humans discover that there's some minerals here on this planet that can make them very wealthy. However, it is located in the sacred forest where the Navi worship. And their worship scenes, they're all sitting and doing New Age or Buddhist-like meditations as they have all plugged in ponytails to one of the vines of that sacred tree and they're chanting and worshiping and humming and becoming one with her. And so the humans discover that there is great minerals under this tree. They want the Navi to leave, but the Navi refuse. And so the humans come in with their superior force and technology and try by force to destroy the forest and exploit this forest of its minerals and use it for monetary gain. Mm. And two of the humans are able to, through a medical and technological advances, embody one of the Navi bodies. And so they are able to interact with the Navi and actually think and become like one of the Navi and at a certain time transport back into their human bodies. So they're able to go back and forth. Well, the two that do that eventually side with the Navi and they begin to help the Navi in their battle against the humans and protecting the sacred forest because they have been enlightened. They now understand what it means to be one with Awa and that the sacred forest cannot be destroyed. And so they join the Navi in their battle against the humans to preserve their sacred forest. This is an old story, just like you said, Pat, as we discussed the movie Avatar. It seems to have a strong spiritual and political message. Obviously, you can see the political message here of, uh, of imperialism or industrialization, paving over the, the rainforest, all things that we are, in fact, concerned about, but uh, also kind of an American guilt here that Americans are, are the bad guys. The humans are the bad guys who come in and mess everything up. And unless they get this new age enlightenment, spiritual enlightenment from this impersonal force, not a personal God, but an impersonal force in the universe, well, then they're just boorish, ignorant, unenlightened buffoons. Right, Kevin. You know, that is correct. And that's the false message of hope that I see being presented in these movies, that if we become one with the impersonal one, if we embrace the pantheist worldview, if we reach this new kind of enlightenment, we can become one with nature and return to this Eden like existence, which was much, much better than when we had when we started developing technology. That's a false hope. You know, if you want to see where pantheism is embraced, there are several countries that embrace the pantheistic worldview. One of them is India. You know, go to India. And I would hardly think that anyone would say, if you walk around the streets of Calcutta and New Delhi and others, that they live in a harmonic paradise and living one with nature. I don't think many, you know, in the civilized world would want the kind of conditions that we see out there or sometimes, you know, the fatalistic mindset of this pantheistic religion of Hinduism. And so it is a false hope. And the pantheistic worldview presents a false message. And that's what's being presented here in this movie. Pat, so many of these movies that come out of Hollywood that are, are very, 
very well made, uh, much applauded. Kind of have a Christianized pantheism, though, almost Americanized. They kind of want their cake and eat it, too. They present, like in The Last Samurai with uh, Tom Cruise, he goes to a village and he becomes enlightened by the simplicity and the beauty of this small village. But they act just like American Christians, uh, when in reality, they've got their problems as well. They've got a sin problem. They've got uh, a fallenness problem, and they're in need of salvation as well. That's not portrayed in the movie. They're portrayed as almost a perfect little Garden of Eden society. Right. You know, and that's in the nation of Japan. And if you study the history of Japan, Kevin, you're absolutely right. You know, it was a warring kind of nation uh, this, with the samurai code, you know, in the upper class and a definite lower class exploitation of women and it, it's not the Eden like paradise that was portrayed in the So it's movie. kind of sugar coated a little bit. Right. Yeah. You know. And and you know another important facet of pantheism is that nature takes precedence over human life. You know, for example in India and Nepal where I've been, you know, I've witnessed cows, monkeys, even rats receiving better treatment than humans and many are worshiped while human beings remain secondary. So you know, another facet is that pantheism denies the reality of this physical world and promotes the belief that the spirit world represents true reality. And so we end up denying, really, our humanity and reality. And as a result, transformation on earth and also transformation in human nature cannot occur when you're embracing false ideas like this. We're discussing the motion picture Avatar from director James Cameron. It's already set records, the number one movie of all time. Why do you say that this reminds you of Pocahontas? Well, same thing in Pocahontas. You know, it was the Indians who are living at one with nature. And in that movie, you know, she's an animist who worships nature and goes to a sacred tree that communicates with her. And then it is the Europeans who come and are shooting up the animals and uh, destroying nature. And she has to enlighten them, you know as to how to properly treat nature. And there's one amongst them, you know, Captain John Smith, who befriends her, and he becomes enlightened and tries to persuade the Europeans, you know, to live according to the ways of the Indians and one with nature, and, and there's a conflict there. So it's kind of the, just the same message being repeated again. Pat, obviously, most of us who are listening now who have kids, their kids want to see this heavily promoted movie. Um, what do you recommend here? Is there an age limit uh, that you're thinking here? What is your advice? Yes, you know, there, there are a couple racy scenes in there, so you may not want to take your children to this. But, uh, you know, as Christians, Kevin, you and I aren't of the view that we should avoid all movies uh, that have a different worldview. You and I teach that we ought to go see them, engage those ideas, you know, sit down afterwards at a Starbucks and discuss the ideas that were presented and critique them from a biblical point of view. Movies are good conversation starters. They really are. Exactly. And, you know, we've been uh, being a little negative on Avatar, but there's also some good or valuable message in Avatar that we should capitalize upon. You know, number one, there's this innate desire for an Eden, for an earth that is at peace and one in which nature is flourishing and in which we are in harmony with nature. There's an innate desire in all of that, in human beings. And we need to ask ourselves, where in the world does that come from? I mean, that's found in almost all cultures. 
And I'm going to build a case that comes from Genesis 1. Hmm. When God created Adam and Eve, they were in the Garden of Eden. That's the way it was supposed to be. And the reason it is not that is because sin has entered into the world. And we long for the day when creation will be restored once again. And that is a longing in every human heart. And there are several websites I read where people said they fell into great depression because, you know, Avatar is such a beautiful movie. And, and many felt that that's what we had once, you know, that's something we had here on Earth, but it's been lost and we can never get it back again. And people were depressed. Wow. Well, where does that come from? And I'm going to say it comes from Genesis 1. You know, we, we all have that desire to live in a very peaceful, flourishing, beautiful kind of Earth. And Avatar is a movie that brings that out in us. Where does that desire come from? And I'm going to say it came from Genesis 1, still within us because we're created in God's image. And that's, that's what we hope for someday. It is kind of depressing to go see Avatar and the beauty there and then come home and your neighbor has spilled his trash all over the, your yard. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And you're smelling traffic and uh, caught in traffic and, and, and the rainforest is being eroded and, and so on. So, yeah, it could be kind of a bummer. You know, and another, you know, reason for the popularity of this pantheistic message is it points to a shortcoming of those of us in the Christian church in modern times. You know, Avatar is presenting the value and care for nature, you know. And as Christians, you know, we're taught in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 that we are to care for God's creation and not exploit it. Unfortunately, there was a time in church history where maybe the prevalent thought was, you know, this earth will be destroyed. It, uh, you know, when Christ comes, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And so there wasn't that kind of care and attention uh, to the earth that maybe we should have had because we thought, well, you know, it's going to be all destroyed anyway. Mm. Well, that's a false thinking, you know, yeah. because in the book of Genesis, God commanded man to be a steward or to care over creation but not to worship creation as the pantheists do, but to be a steward, a caretaker over it. So man was called in Genesis to use technology and the resources of the earth to improve his life, but to do it in a responsible manner, not in an uncaring and destructive manner. And we are to develop technology, improve our lives, but use it in a manner that reflects you know, reflects the care for the creation around us. And perhaps this is a message, Christian environmentalism, that has been neglected by the church and not been addressed strongly enough by the church. Perhaps that's why uh, the pantheist message, you know, becomes so attractive, because they see this amongst pantheist movements. It's just sad that James Cameron and so many filmmakers don't see this in... American ideals and in Christianity and so on, when, when it's all there, that paradise can be restored, that there is a God who cares for us, and what you just said, the Bible says to take care of the earth and so on, but they think, I've got to go outside of Christianity and I've got to go outside of uh, American values and heritage and go east and go to the eastern mindset in order to find this fulfillment and this paradise restored and this tree, and Eden, and so on. Pat, how should we respond to the message of Avatar? Well, I believe 
you know, Avatar is an apologetic for pantheism, one of the favorite worldviews of Hollywood, if not the favorite worldview of Hollywood. However, you know, it's a, it presents a false message of hope and peace and paradise. And the Christian message of hope must be proclaimed in a very compelling manner if we're to gain the attention of our culture using the arts and movies as well. You know, and so the challenge before us is to demonstrate that Christianity offers the true message of hope. First, it's not in an avatar or avatars, but in the person of Jesus Christ, who was the divine Son of God, through his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection, gives us the true hope of eternal life. Eternal life doesn't come from becoming one with an impersonal force or gaining some kind of hidden, mysterious knowledge. It comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, we see in the movie, it talks about reincarnation, how everyone becomes a part of Awa, you know, the force made up of all things. You know, as Christians, we've got to proclaim that that is a false worldview, that indeed true hope comes in Jesus Christ. Second of all, the biblical principles of the responsible use of technology and care for the environment must be strongly demonstrated. Kevin, I remember when I was in Japan and I was looking across the river and I saw what, what might be, you know, irony here. I saw a Buddhist temple on one side of the river and beautiful garden, beautiful tree, nicely manicured and everything. And on the other side, I saw a dirty parking lot and a white building that was the church. And I thought, gosh, how ironic. Mm. You know, if anyone should care about beauty and nature and things about the environment, you know, it ought to be the Christian church demonstrating that. Yet, here in Japan, I was looking how unbelievers, people who didn't know God, were demonstrating more of the biblical view of care of creation than the Christian church. And so the Christians have got to present and proclaim the responsible use of technology and demonstrate the care for the environment. You know, and finally, Kevin, you know, that message, you know, that innate desire for a paradise, for a flourishing, growing nature, living in harmony together. I mean, that's a desire that we all have. And I believe that comes from Genesis chapter 1. Creation is in a fallen state right now. Romans 8 verses 20 through 21 states, For creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. So creation and mankind await the day nature will be restored and the curse of sin will be taken away. And the true message of hope is this. This is going to happen but not by embracing the false ideas of pantheism and becoming one with the forces of the universe, but when the king of creation comes and restores all of creation, the king of creation, Jesus Christ. And so as Christians now, we should move in the direction of God's future restoration and carefully manage and restore areas that we have destroyed and demonstrate the care for the environment that we are commanded to have. So I hear you saying, Pat, that there is some caution in the movie Avatar. There's some good uh, messages and then some spiritual messages that um, you're opposed to because of the worldview that it teaches. And Pat, as we conclude today's show, I want to remind everyone that you have an article on the motion picture Avatar at evidenceandanswers.org. A lot of resources there. In fact, we've talked a lot about pantheism at evidenceandanswers.org, too. 
Yes, we have several shows, not only on Avatar, but also on the worldview of Star Wars, on the martial arts, on Buddhism and Hinduism and other worldviews or philosophies or religions that embrace the pantheistic worldview. And so a whole host of valuable resources there. Thank you, Pat. And we want to thank you for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucharin. As Pat mentioned, there are many resources available for you at evidenceandanswers.org, including a full article on the movie Avatar from Dr. Zucharin. And again, Pat applauds the technical excellence of the film, but offers caution on the worldview strongly presented in Avatar. You know, it's easy for us to say, ah, it's just a movie. Don't take it so seriously. But as many philosophers have pointed out, ideas have consequences. And movies are a very powerful medium affecting multiplied millions of people. So we encourage you to select your movies carefully and be able to analyze what is influencing not only the culture at large, but you and your family as well. Here at Evidence and Answers, we want to equip you to do just that. Browse through our resources at evidenceandanswers.org. And as we like to say, you'll find everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism on our website. In fact, you may want to listen to the show where Pat and I debated some atheists. It's pretty exciting. We interview experts in various fields, as well as Dr. Pat Zucharin's analysis on many contemporary subjects. No matter what your beliefs, you'll find informative and interesting topics at evidenceandanswers.org. And one more thing. Evidence and Answers is a nonprofit organization, and we depend on your support to keep us on this station and expanding. If you appreciate the information, if it's meant something to you, consider partnering with us. Just click the donate button on the front page of evidenceandanswers.org. Please do it today. Your gifts and support mean so much to us. I'm Kevin Harris. Again, thanks so much for joining us on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman.